Welcome back to our monthly podcast, The Call to Foster. My name is Shasta Miller, and I'm a field support manager with the Missouri Children's Division. Uh, my co-host is here, Jessica. Would you introduce yourself? I'm Jessica Hugstep. I'm a supervisor with the Southeast Regional Resource Unit. And I'm very excited about today's podcast. We have two very special guests, uh, one of those being a current foster parent. Amanda, would you mind to introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Amanda. Um, I fostered for five to six years, um, and I've had a total of seven children in my home. Wow, that's amazing. Our other guest, which I'm very, very excited about as we are celebrating Reunification Month, is we have a biological parent who has joined us. Colleen, would you mind to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Colleen. Uh, I'm a biological mom to a possible one of Amanda's past foster kids. That's awesome. Um, so we are, we're going to jump in and really kind of talk about that. But first I want to, Amanda, I want to start with you. So tell us um, about your journey on why you decided to start uh, fostering and why you became a foster parent. Yeah. So um, my husband and I, we, um, ever since we've gotten together, we've talked about adoption Um, and then after we struggled with infertility for about five years, um, we were at church and the missionary came in and was talking about foster care and adoption. Um, and so during that service, we really just felt moved to foster and that was just when we started that whole process. We've heard this a lot where church is really, um, uh, speaking on behalf of, of foster care, so uh, it, it gives me goosebumps to to think that you know you you found out information from your church and and it was your mission, right? Um, yeah. So Amanda, tell us. Uh, you said how many placements have you had in your home in the in the last six years? Um, I've had a total of uh, seven. Um, we had six kids in our home whenever we first fostered and then we took a break after we adopted one of our kids and then we had another placement um just like a kinship placement after that so amanda in those placements what age ranges were those kiddos so when we were doing foster care full-time we were specialized in zero to three and we did mostly drug exposed children um, so we had one placement that was a sibling group and it was a newborn baby and his two-year-old sister. Um, we had another baby that I stayed with in the hospital, um, until family felt comfortable enough with his medical needs to take over. Um, we've had one child, um, that was waiting on the ICPC process so mm-hmm. that he could be placed with relatives out of state. Um, and then I had Colleen's um, second youngest son. And then later on, whenever we did it for kinship, we had a 17-year-old boy in our home. Wow. So you've had uh, quite a wide range of kiddos in your home. So you mentioned the ICPC process, and I just wanted to explain to everyone listening. It stands for Interstate Compact Placement of Children. And that's our contracts with other states to place our children out of state with relatives and or 
a related or kinship placement. Um, so I just wanted to make that clear to everybody listening. That's our process to get with other states so we can place the kiddos with relative or kinship families. So thank you, Amanda. Amanda, with with some of this, um, if I was a new foster parent and I was curious about learning how to foster and becoming a, a foster parent, what advice would you give me um, in dealing uh, in a situation that you just described? So... My husband and I have always felt very strongly about working with the families of the children that we've we've had. And because having that open communication, um, I mean, that's what really benefits the children. Whenever they feel that, you know, they haven't been abandoned or that, you know, they've been taken away from home for reasons that they couldn't control, you know, that that doesn't affect them. They know that mom and dad is still there. They know that mom and dad are still um, working towards reunification. And that's just really been our main focus. You know, we so often I hear people say, well, I could never do that because I couldn't let them go. Mm-hmm. And, or I just care too much or something like that. And, you know, I just, Whenever I hear somebody say that, I just always want to, like, tell them, like, you know, we let them go because that's what is best for them. It is best that they go home. Even if we could provide more for that child than they could get at home, they're still their parents, and they still love them, and children are loyal to their parents. Yeah, absolutely. Amanda, good segue into... um you you you've got a really good understanding of what reunification is about um you've got a really great understanding of uh, as your role uh, as a foster parent um but what i'm most excited about is sitting right next to you you have a biological parent colleen and let's i would love to hear your journey in meeting colleen and then, Colleen, I, I, I'm definitely going to segue to you because I want to hear, um, you know, your perspective and the special relationship that you both have. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I haven't always been – so whenever you go into training to be a foster parent, you, like, they talk reunification the whole time. Your, your job is reunification, taking care of that child until they can reunify. Um and, you know, they just really drilled that into us during training. And so we understood that. And we always would work with the parents. We'd get pictures of the family so that we could give the kids so that they have those pictures and those memories. Um, but to some extent, especially with having the fertility issues, um, it, it was heartbreaking in the same sense because, you know, we want to have our own kid. Um, And it's difficult whenever you see children that are hurt um, because of actions of parents. And so I didn't really get a full understanding of what why reunification was so important until I worked with Colleen on her case. Um, That case changed my life. And ever since then, my husband and I have just really focused on helping people that feel like they don't belong or that they're not loved or, um, you know, that they're just the outcast of society. So 
at the point that we um, started fostering her son, um, we were getting ready to have a child leave for to go to another state with his grandparents. Um, so we were preparing for that, and we, my husband had been approached at work about fostering a child that was going to be born soon, and we didn't really follow up with it very much. Like we never got everything in order before the child was born, so. We just kind of, you know, let it go emotionally. And then a couple of weeks later, we get a phone call, and it was Children's Division saying that they had a newborn baby. Um, and they told us that um, one parent was in prison and he was born in the hospital that um, contracts with the prison um, up at Vandalia. And we, um, they told us that the father was just not very involved, that he was, um, I think whenever we first started, he was in rehab for a little bit, I think. Um, and so that first few months, we didn't really have any kind of contact with the parents. Um, and we did go ahead and take the baby. And um, from the very get-go, even his um, family, um, so his Two older brothers um, were getting ready to be adopted by their grandparents, and they just felt that they couldn't take on another baby. Um, and so that's how we ended up with him. Um, and so the grandparents at the time, they're telling us, you know, you're going to get to adopt him. Um, uh, they just kept saying, you know, our kids have just never been able to get it on track. They'll do good for a little bit, and then they fall off. But from the very get-go, um, we had this idea that, you know, this is finally going to be our kid. Um, and, uh, you know, a, a weird thing have, had occurred before. I had had a vision that God had promised me a blonde hair, blue-eyed boy, and here's this little blonde hair, blue-eyed boy. Oh, wow. And I, I thought that was, you know, our promised child. And, you uh, that that was the beginning of the journey. Yeah. So, Amanda, when did this change for you? I that had to have been very challenging and difficult. Yeah. So, when did this change? So, at about a year, um, the parents were doing really good, and um, the team started talking about reunification, and we we were heartbroken, we were angry. Mm-hmm. Um, because we'd had this baby, he came straight out of the hospital to us. Right. And the first three months, there just wasn't much involvement um, because mom was in prison. Um, but once mom was out of prison, um, mom and dad, you know, they were working some, but um, we, we didn't, you know, from everything we were told, we didn't expect for, the, for them to be able to change. Right, right. Um, and so, once we started doing overnight and weekend visits, um, my husband and I just really struggled with the thought that, you know, we're going to have to give this baby back um, to somebody who's never had him before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I was at work one day, and I was just really upset about it. And, um, you know, I, I just was basically like yelling at God, like you promised me a baby and now you're taking him away from me. Um, and I just 
felt that he told me that, you know, I gave up my son for you. You have to give up your son for them. And at that moment, I I felt like I had been so selfish. Mm-hmm. Um, and that my my intentions for this child wasn't what was best for him. Um, and I just, you know, it, it was a whole, like, paradigm shift for us. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you know, we're like, okay, no, this this is right. This is what's going to be best. And um, that's what we focused on was making that transition for him to go home. And um, he did go home eventually. Um, and Colleen and I, you know, through that whole process, Colleen and I and um, our spouses, like, we've become best friends. They, I don't have a sister biologically, um, but she is the closest thing to a sister that I've ever had. Oh, I um, love that. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. Yeah, we spend our holidays together. Oh. We, you know, we go out to the river together. Oh, my goodness. All kinds of stuff. So, <laughs> yes. so, you know, it just... Um, it was just such a life-changing thing and you know like I said earlier reunification had been drilled in to me but that that process was it was just supernatural it was not something that I could have ever done on my own um and God just really blessed me with um with that shift in my vision and ever since it's just been blessing on blessing and so I can't thank Colleen enough for sticking with us through that transition yeah um and you know we're there for each other all all the time you know if we need something we can always holler at each other if we're right there yeah I just traded in a son for a nephew oh I love that so, Amanda, I want to clarify for the listeners so it's clear that what you're talking about is you as the foster parent and the the very special connection you have with the biological mother of a little guy who was placed in your home and how yes. special and absolutely amazing that is. Um, I think as an agency, that's what we always hope to hear is – Again, being a foster parent, it's not just fostering kiddos. It's fostering the entire family. Um, And it's a unique thing. You know, it's you guys have a unique relationship that I hope that listeners are hearing and really have a good understanding of of what you're sharing with us today. Um, I want to shift to Colleen really quick. Um, Colleen, what – tell us about – your experience, but specifically to, um, you know, how you dealt with Amanda and her husband caring for your, your son and kind of your journey on that end of things. Um, (laughs) uh, it was, it was difficult for me in the beginning. I mean, like, like Amanda said, I was, I was in prison when I had him. Yeah. So there's a lot of unknowns. I didn't know where my son went. Um, you know, I knew he wasn't going with his grandparents because they're at that point, they were in their late sixties, maybe 70. I'm not sure. And I know that they couldn't handle a baby. So it was kind of scary for me to know that my, my newborn son was going somewhere where I didn't know, but people I didn't know, Mm -hmm. but 
I at that point I kind of I just turned turned to God. I turned to God and I trusted Him completely, you know. And uh, I just had this I don't know how how to say it like tranquility. I, I was I was so calm mm-hmm. in the fact knowing that God was taking care of my child, you know. Wow. And once I met uh, Amanda and her husband, I don't know if it's the same. Once I met them after I got out. You know, I I felt comfortable with them, but still, again, like it's someone caring for your child. It's it's a different kind of. I mean, the different kind of feeling. You have to completely trust. You know, and I I don't know. Since the beginning, we kind of we clicked. We did. Yeah. Um, but the relationship just got stronger and stronger, and I I don't know. I just I thank God that I have had people in my life. Yeah. <laughs> that could care for my, my kids. Yeah. Absolutely. No, Colleen, this is Jessica, and like just listening to you <clears throat> and remembering experiences that I have gone through with work, it just for you to have Amanda and her family is a rarity. Um <laughs> And I don't know, and that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, do you have a lot of other support, family, friends, or? Well, uh, no. Well, I moved to Missouri. I'd say a couple of years, maybe two or three years before all this happened. So oh. I, I come from New York. So oh all wow! My in New York. Yeah, I only had my in-laws here when I moved here, mm-hmm. and. At that point, our relationship was very strained because yeah. obvious reasons. I mean, I was a, I was a bad drug addict. I mean, I was IV drug user, and no. uh, that kind of I don't know, kind of cuts family down pretty much. And I didn't have much support at that point, yeah. not any support really. <laughs> but it seems like Amanda and her husband they were the ones that wasn't going to give up on you, right? Right. Right. Definitely. So I'm curious to hear from both of you, but let's start with Colleen. Um, Colleen, when when is there was there an incident or a, or a situation that took place that really turned the tables for you as far as trusting Amanda and her husband and t- something telling you that this is a forever relationship? Um, it was mostly the support. It was it's just. I guess, you know, the trust and everything built over time. I mean, mm-hmm. just having them there and seeing how supportive they were. I mean, even when we were doing supervised visits, a lot of times, you know, Amanda or her husband would come and supervise visits here at, you know, Children's Division and everything. Or, you know, once we went outside of Children's Division, we were allowed to do outside visits. Um, you know, sometimes they'd stay, you know, if we went to Burger King or something. I remember her husband being there with us. But a lot of times we would we would just talk, you know. We would spend part of the visit just talking, you know, about was it Bible studies and stuff. Then we do that here. But it, it just our relationship just grew from there. It wasn't, you know, any specific thing that happened. It was just, sure. you know, it was just like a building, the building of the relationship over time. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Colleen, um, as you're talking about building that relationship and learning how to trust Amanda and her husband. Um, I'm curious, did you take away any learning um, 
from how Amanda and her husband like cared for your son? Was there any like role modeling and coaching opportunities that you were like, you know, uh, Amanda and her husband's got it. They're doing something right. I need to pay attention. Um, did you have any of that, um, those experiences? Like when I was a kid, I just, you know, it, it was such a different time. And I grew up in the 80s and stuff, and there was a lot of uh, alcoholism in my family. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really have a role model about, you know, I had to be a parent. I don't, I never knew how to be a parent, you know. And like you heard, I've had other kids too. So, I mean, this, this was a learning experience for me because, like, I, you I think most parents, I mean, obviously you care for your kid, but there's a lot to do when it comes to parenting itself. There you know, sure is. Yes. And everything like that. And I think I've learned a lot of that from them. I do. Just being patient with, with the kids and just, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Showing them constant love, really. I'm glad you said that because I think we, as an agency, we hope and always wish that um, our biological family really do get some learning and our foster parents really coach them and that natural support that just occurs. Um, I think, uh, Amanda, you, I think you were very real when, and I'm sure a lot of foster families have felt this way when you talked about you know, you had your hopes up for an adoption, and yeah. that attachment was strong, and and how you got through that and dealt with that. So I'm curious, did your relationship with Colleen and your relationship as it's improving, that, that did that kind of help you have a better understanding of what was good for the kiddo? Yeah, so starting out, you know, we had all of our training, and you know, again, training involves pounding into your head that reunification is the goal, you know. Mm-hmm. And so in the beginning, I was just working off of training, but I still had those feelings and those hopes that this is my baby. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we all got to know each other, there was there was one family support team meeting, and I don't even know what we were talking about during the meeting, but... Uh, I basically had told them to, like, pull their heads out of their rears because, you know, if they wanted him home, they were going to have to do stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the caseworkers kind of got on to me, like, you can't do that. (laughs) uh, But, you know, later on, like, we just, the way that we work together, Colleen and I and our husbands, like, we just, we just tell it like it is to each other, you know? Mm-hmm. We have that full open communication. And, you know, at one point I'd apologize for being um, so kind of kind of rough or short-sighted and stuff. And, uh, you know, they're like, no, you know, we needed to hear that. And um, it, we just, I don't know, we never really held grudges or anything against each other um we just i don't know it's just been a really smooth relationship and once i had that aha moment um with god like at that point you know i i've been working off training up until that point but then you know my heart changed and at that point i was working truly working off of what was best for this family because it's not just about taking care of the children like 
if you can change the whole family, exactly. that's where you see what's best for that child. And um, so it just kind of became our passion after that. It went from doing our job, going with our training, to just absolutely being passionate about it. Thank you, Amanda and Colleen, for sharing that. Um, it's just fantastic to hear and warms our hearts. And Amanda, now I thought just ran in my head, and I'm thinking, you know, so how has your experience being a foster parent and your relationship with Colleen impacted you as to now you being a case aide for the State of Missouri Children's yeah. Division? The day that... Um Colleen's son went home. We took them out to dinner. Um, and, I mean, we just cried on each other's shoulders. We were we were all just so happy at the outcome. And um, we, my husband and I left from dinner that night, and we drove um, four hours to up Kansas City to pick up our next placement. And lo and behold, that was our promised blonde hair, blue, white baby. And... Uh, so, like, through that whole experience and having this new family that's, you know, part of our family now, um, my, we put a pause on fostering for a while, and um, my husband and I, we were in um, church ministry a lot over the next few years, and working with um, youth and children, we worked in substance abuse ministry, things like that, and that drive to help families just was reinforced over and over so we moved away for a little bit and after a couple of years once COVID hit we decided we were going to move back to our hometown and um you know we needed jobs well the, one of the caseworkers said hey I've got a job for you and at that point my husband and I both started contracting as parent aides for children's division. So we were helping parents, you know, kind of meet their goals, we're supervising visits, we were doing drug testing and things like that. Um, and then one day I get a message from several of the staff here at children's division in our town. Um, hey, we've got this new position, it's a new job title, which one of you want to do it? Mm -hmm. And so I had some background with the state already. I um, I was vested. I had six years working with the state and um, Department of Corrections and Social Services. And so since I already had that, you know, since I already had retirement and everything through the state, we decided that I would be the one that would apply for the job. And so that was the case aid position. So one of the areas that the CD has struggled with for many years is you know just the amount of cases mm -hmm. you know caseworkers don't have time to see every child and every parent every month when they're carrying over 30 cases yeah um and so this position was to fill in on that parent need because you know caseworkers they they have to focus on that child's safety and um but the parent side of it, the reunification side of it, wasn't being worked to its full potential. Yeah. And so whenever I started doing the case, they, you know, we really took over those worker parent visits and working with the parents. And 
I just love that. Um, you know, I get asked all the time to finish my degree so I can be a caseworker, but I love working with the parents and because I know that the best thing I can do for that child is to help that family change. Yeah, absolutely. And by, by working with the parents, that's how you make those changes. Yeah, Amanda, um, I want to pause and ask you a question. Um, do you think your direct experience with Colleen impacted your passion about working with parents? Absolutely, 100%. Um, I, my relationship with her is the driving force of me doing my job. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that, Amanda. And I, for all the listeners, I know Amanda personally, and she's an absolute fantastic case aide. And she truly is passionate about working with parents. And I think, Colleen, you joining us today has been an example of that. Um, we're, I, I do have one last question. So you guys kind of talked about how close you guys are. You, um, Colleen, you have your baby boy back in your home. Um, but you guys do holidays together. You feel like your sisters. Um, that's such a unique thing, and um, I appreciate you you sharing that. Um, but I'm really curious, and would love to know for and maybe this is more for a question for Amanda. But um, what advice would you give future foster parents in working with biological parents and yeah so what what advice would you give them um from the foster parent side i would say that remember they're just humans you know all of us make mistakes and we have to show empathy and Empathy is not something that comes naturally to me. I've had to learn it. Um, but, you know, they're in the position they're in because of something has happened. They've had trauma. Um, something's going on in their life that has led them to that point. And so we're not just treating a child. We, we're treating a family. Yeah. And so we're trying to help move past generational trauma and and that it really does take patience and grace and so trying to you know whenever you're frustrated and you're like why are you doing this just stopping and thinking like okay it makes sense that they would do this because this has happened in their life Mm -hmm. um and so just i mean grace that that's the biggest thing is just having grace yep Um, I think that's really good advice. And Colleen, I want to ask you this a similar question. Um, Colleen, what advice would you give future foster parents on what's what's some good ways to work with biological family? Yeah. That would be for foster parents and, you know, for the biological parents. It's part of the process because there's so much fight involved. But if you just kind of give up and let things happen the way they're supposed to, you know what I mean? It's it, it worked out. And, I mean, you end up having a good experience. 
I think that's excellent, excellent advice. Um, I think the, to wrap that up simply is to have grace, to have patience, to trust the process. And I would say from both ends of that, from a foster parent perspective and a biological parent perspective, um, you guys are very unique. And I hope that listeners who are listening to this um, really hear your story and feel your story. And we have more examples of your relationship come come from this. Um, again, I think have patience, grace, and trust the process is kind of the themes. Um, is there anything else before we wrap up? Is there anything else Amanda and or Colleen want to share with listeners out there who may be interested in fostering? Um, just anything. Yeah. Um, so real quick, kind of just so like um, some closure on what all happened with the case. Um, you know, I'd mentioned that Colleen had other children that had been adopted by family members, and um, and she had mentioned earlier, you know, how that the relationship between her and her in-laws was very strained. And through all of this, um, I got to watch her build a really strong relationship with her in-laws. Oh my goodness! And um, so much so to the point that. You know, they live on the same property. Wow. She gets to see, you know, she still gets to be mom to the boys that have been adopted. And I think oh now goodness. you're even in contact with your older daughter, right? Somewhat, um, you know, making, at least making progress there. And now she's got a child that's never even seen the system. And, you know, I it didn't just change our foster son's life. It changed the lives of so many people yeah. um, because, you know, they, you know, even though they were family biologically and everything, they weren't family in like an emotional sense, I would say. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, that support system is strong. Um, their relationship is strong and it's just awesome to see how much of an impact that whole case had on so many lives. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, I'm speechless. I think that is your guys' story as an example of um, sometimes things have to happen in order for things to get better. And it sounds like at the beginning of this, Colleen, that you were, you know, alone and, and by the end of it, you have uh, lots of people wrapping their armors ar- around you and not just you, but supporting each one of you. Um, I think that's just really awesome. I mean, I have goosebumps. I do too. Um, it's, it's really impactful. Okay, guys. Well, um, I, I know Jessica and I really appreciate you joining this podcast. My best hope would be, Um, Again, we're celebrating reunification. My best hope would be people are hearing this. Um, Future foster families are hearing this. Um, Biological parents are hearing this. And they can walk away knowing that hard times come, you can get through it. And your relationship, I think, is a true example of how you do that in the benefit of, of a child. 
Um, so again, I appreciate you both. Jessica, anything else to add? No, I just want to say thank you guys for sharing your story, and I hope it impacts um, the people around the state of Missouri. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Wow, Jessica. Oh, my gosh. This might have been my favorite podcast yet. Um, It definitely is. I mean, just this is what we want. Yeah. This is what we want. want. This is what we talk to our um, foster parents, relative parents about Mm -hmm. is, hey, like Amanda said, remember they're human, the biological parents, right? No matter what, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's above making mistakes. Yep, and to have grace and patience. Um, and trust the process. You don't hear that too much from a you biological don't. parent. You definitely don't because most, I mean, I'm just throwing it out there. Most say, you know, we don't trust the system, yep. court system. We don't trust the children's division. We don't trust, you know. But when you do have those supports like Amanda and her family that's not giving up on those biological parents, mm-hmm. that's saying, hey, we're going to be your long-term person, um, it makes the world a difference because then it gives the biological parents the outlook and attitude like, yeah, I can do this. Yeah. Like, I'm not alone. I can do this. And Not only that, I think Amanda's story, she goes from – Um, I really appreciate her talking about like the training that foster parents get and how we're beating and reunification, reunification. But if we don't do that, her vision and idea may have not have changed. It may not have. So we were just pounding it in reunification, reunification. And and then she has a, a personal experience to where then she's, she feels it. And then she has such a tight relationship with the biological mom. And I think Amanda was really vulnerable during this podcast to talk about, you know, she they had their hearts set on adoption. Right. It was hard for them. And that is, it is hard for foster right. families. And so if anything, I hope people who are listening who are interested in fostering really pay attention to, to the struggles and the challenges Amanda really talks about with us. Um, And then the outcome of that, right? It changes her whole vision. I mean, to the point she comes and works for the agency. Right. I love that piece because now what is she doing? She's working with parents. Right. Um, Right. And it really started with her and Colleen's um, story and and the changes in that. Just And like you said, her worry, you know, because they were attached, they thought they were going to adopt uh, Colleen's son. And one of the main things that I took away from this is because of their strong relationship between her and the biological mother, she didn't have to lose that child. Exactly right. That child is still in their life and is still able to be attached to that child. She even says, uh, you know, he went from being their son to their nephew, nephew, which which is a great perspective to have. And, um, and it's only best for this kiddo. Right. It's only best for this kiddo. And hopefully we'll um, stop the generational thing that we see so much that I think Amanda had brought up about, you know, your parents' kids, you know, in the system, vice versa. Um, Because of that, the foster parents being that long-term support, Colleen can say, hey, I need a break. Or, hey, I need to, whatever it is, you know, we can prevent um, continued reentry into foster care. Absolutely, and uh, it sounds like Colleen's doing very well. Right, um, definitely. And 
she was re- I really appreciate her being on this podcast because that was super vulnerable for her. It is. Um, it's never easy to talk about um, in a biological parent perspective working with the agency, let alone building such a strong relationship with a foster parent. Um, I she was really vulnerable, and that that just that warms my heart. I mean, this story is. I hope it reaches a lot of people and yeah. I hope it reaches current foster families who maybe struggle yeah, with definitely. strong attachment and struggle mm-hmm. with working with biological right. family. Um, maybe they hear this and walk away thinking, wow, uh, look at them. They're like best friends. It. They're sisters. Right. I, I mean, that would too. have never happened yep. if Amanda wasn't a foster parent. Wasn't and Colleen open wasn't to a, that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I, love, I have the goosebumps. I love this still. So great, great, great interview. Great podcast. Again, we're celebrating reunification month this month. Um, for those of you who might be interested in fostering, you can visit the web at dss.mo.gov slash CD. Um, you can also contact your local CD office and just ask about how do I become a foster parent? It's that easy. Um Please share the love and spread the word. And please join us next month for our next podcast. Adios. Bye.